Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Never Gets Old, a firsthand account of all things secondhand and sustainable. This is a podcast about the resale, vintage, consignment, secondhand world, online and offline, and what that means for the future of fashion and the future of our planet. I am your host, Meredith Feynman, and I am joined by my bestie in the Westie, producer Sarah Lane. What's up, Mare? I'm so excited about this episode because... I'm a person who loves a deal, but I am often not the person who has stuff in order to get a deal by disposing of my own things. And honestly, I feel like that's a myth I'm here to dispel. So today's episode is how to list your stuff so that it moves, so that it sells. I have been selling stuff for 20 years, IRL, and I have been selling stuff online since maybe 2012, 2011. Though I sold some textbooks on eBay like in college. So uh, it's been a minute, but we're not talking about listing textbooks. So in this episode, I'm going to let you in on some secrets uh, as someone who has consistently made money uh, on her closet for a long, long time that your listing really matters. It's almost like a dating profile Uh, which Sarah and I were discussing for a hot second, uh, (laughs) which we will only briefly touch on and then immediately stop talking about. But you got to kind of do a little song and dance. And it makes a huge difference in this case in in like selling your clothing. Yes. (laughs) Much as the right profile photo might get you more attention than something a little bit less flattering. Of course, it's in the eye of the beholder, but we all know what I'm talking about. I, I would say the same goes for Uh, That pair of leggings that is in really good condition, but needs to be lit properly. Totally. So um, what am I talking about here? Because a lot of us are, at least if you're listening to It Never Gets Old, I think it's, there's, I would hope, a diversity of listeners. Some of you are knee deep in this like I am. Some of you are newbies that now know a lot like Sarah Lane. And some of you definitely buy, but you don't sell. And I hear that all the time, which is that I buy secondhand, but I never sell any of my stuff. First things first, you got to just get over it. 
you're going to have someone looking at your stuff on the internet. And so opening up your closet is a bit of a vulnerable experience, but it's something that you really can make money on. Like that is my point. Not only are we here to save money and do better by the fashion industry and what we consume, but the truth is like that's how I have money to then spend on shopping. And I'm about to go to Los Angeles and I looked up my real real for this month and it is about $800. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that with me and use that to then cycle back and, you know, into circular fashion and at some point you know it ends up as a win for everyone I mean you can sell anything if you're willing to put in the time and the effort and in this case if you're sort of like well I started selling things it's too overwhelming or I'm too nervous about it then you've come to the right place I also think that, and this is something that I'm starting to see more and more of because I'm now tuned into all of these different ways to buy and sell uh, really cool wares online and off, although the online world is really working for me, is if you sit there and think, yeah, but I'm so busy. I'm just like not the kind of person who can get to a post office or a UPS store on a regular basis. I kind of hate that sense of working this all into my daily routine. I do see a lot of folks who will get on top of it and they'll delist things on Poshmark if they go out of town for a couple of weeks because I'll I'll see comments from people saying like, are you going to list these again? And they go, yeah, I'm just not going to be able to ship anything to you right away. So I didn't want to you know like get anyone's hopes up or that is clearly stated in the agreement like, hey, I only ship on Saturdays, you know, so if you buy on Monday, I'm going to ship on Saturday with everything else. You can make it work for you based on your schedule as long as the person on the other end understands the deal. Totally. You know, there's a really wide range on the internet of people making money from their closets. Like some people... Uh, If you're listening to this, maybe you just want to sell, as we talked about before, your yoga pants. Maybe you want to sell a dress you wore to a wedding and you're never going to wear again. Maybe you want to sell some shoes that you decided, you know, are too high and you're tired walking in them. No matter what, there's there's someone to buy it. You just have to know like where to be looking and how to go about it. But. What's fascinating to me are people that are full-time either resellers, running mini vintage stores. Like if you look around on an eBay or a Poshmark, sometimes people have storefronts, but sometimes people don't. They run entire small businesses off of these resale sites. And that's something real too. And you'll fall somewhere in the middle of the spectrum. I would say, you know, I definitely sometimes flip things, buy things to sell them because I know I'll make a bunch of money on them. But for the most part, I'm selling things that I personally have worn unless it's like a sale price. It's too good to be true. And I know I can make more money on the internet. So, you know, there are different pros and cons to each platform with selling, but I want to really tell you how I've been able to do this so that it moves because I've told people to get on Poshmark and I've told people to do eBay and I've told people to do Real Real, and then they're like, my stuff isn't selling or they won't accept my items. Let me let you in on some of that. So first and foremost, when you're thinking about selling, yes, you are signing up to do some work, but you can also decide how much work you're signing up to do. So with something like a thread up, there's no work on your part. You're just sending in a bag with the real reel again. You're printing out a list and sticking it in a box. However, the first line of work is looking at what you want to sell. First, start by separating it out by category. So I talk about the five different categories. The first is sort of luxury brands, the Gucci, the Chanel, the Saint Laurent, the Louis Vuitton, all of those brands. Then you have high-end contemporary. Those are things like Vince and Joie, you know, higher-end brands you'd see at Bloomingdale's Theory. Then you have more big box everyday brands, Ann Taylor, J. Crew, those things sell really, really well. 
Then you have more of the fast fashion. You have your Zara, Forever 21, H&M. And sometimes you're like, people don't want this stuff. In every category, and then that fifth category is stuff that you're really going to donate. And actually, there's a sixth, which is vintage. You know, each of those categories has different ways to sell these things. And they sell, you know, I'm going to get into, we don't have all day. So I'll get into some of this and then eventually, hopefully deeper. But I, I can give you some tips on each of these categories and, and what makes a difference in each. So the first thing you have to dedicate to is like how much work you want to do. So you're going to make more money uh, if you do more work. That's just like obvious. With the real real, you start out at like a 60% commission, which can be low. Poshmark, you start out at an 80%. So it's like, okay, are you willing to put in that work and do that? Some supplies you're going to need. One, packing tape. I buy packing tape in bulk at this point, and I have several tape guns. They make me very happy versus just every single time you're doing it, like trying to figure out the end of that roll of tape, which then ends up being like a small bit and then you pull it and then it like inevitably you can never get the fucking beginning of the tape again. So like go to CVS, go to a Staples, log on to Amazon and buy an actual tape gun. Otherwise, you're going to feel like you're you're in like a mini moving mode all the time, which nobody likes. Right. It's But if you have a cool tool and it's super easy, it's like the difference of prying a box open without a pair of scissors or having a pair of scissors and making a nice, clean little incision. Totally. So I love my tape gun. It makes me very happy and it makes me feel very powerful. And now I guess if anyone's ever moving in my building, I'm like, wait, I have so much tape. Then you got to think about boxes. So I am not someone that does nice boxes. I've talked about how I, you know, we all have a million things from Amazon and Amazon creates such an unbelievable amount of waste that that's a whole other conversation for another time. Um, but all those boxes can be reused to send your stuff out. I also paw through the recycling in my building uh, and make sure that it is clean and not smelly. Uh, and then I use those boxes too. So I happen to live in a big building where I'm able to have access to more boxes, but that's also something to think about. But also with Poshmark, if you're sending this stuff priority mail, which it often is, you can walk into any post office and I think you can order them too. And you can grab priority mail envelopes and priority boxes and do it yourself. The thing that has been the greatest joy in my life is my printer. I love nothing more than selling something on Poshmark and opening up my phone and air printing the label to my printer. I think it's magic. <laughs> um, though technology has progressed way beyond that at this point. Those are the things you have to think about. And also, these platforms know that a barrier to entry is hassle, inconvenience. So they make it as convenient as possible for you because they want you to sell things. That's how they make money too. Totally. And I'm not here to tell you how to sell stuff. I mean, I, I have in many, many different ways and will continue to do so in many, many different ways. This specific episode is how to sell, sell stuff, like how to list it, how to do this so that you actually sell things. There are lots of people that get on Poshmark, that get on eBay, that get on Grailed, that get on Vistare, that get on Tradesy, that get on StockX, that get on Mercari. I don't know. It's a new one I'm trying to learn because so many people use it. And stuff doesn't move because you're not doing it right or you're not doing it in a way that is appealing and you want it to move. And I have learned all these things. So first you have your supplies. Then you have your platforms. But let's talk about the most important thing of listings, which is photos. So another thing you have to dedicate your time to is one, cleaning your garments, two, ironing them or three, steaming them. And then for getting a nice semi nice looking hanger, not a wire hanger to either hang your stuff from something to make it look nice or, you know, lay it out 
in a way that looks aesthetically pleasing. There's one sneaker seller on Poshmark who I'm positive this is her full-time job and she has this like setup almost like you know you have some of your favorite Instagrammers or you have some of your favorite you know YouTubers and their setup always looks the same like the photo the way she stages her sneakers always looks the same like that's a cool thing to do people know it's yours then people can't steal your photos but also like the more work you put into making something look nice the more appealing it's gonna be it's like a store absolutely right because that's how stores are too. There's an easy way to be able to, and that's why people actually get paid by <laughs> department stores to like do a window, you know, where it looks it looks clean, it looks fresh, the, st- the stuff looks pretty, well lit, colors pop, all that stuff is, you know, there's a little bit of an art involved and some people are more, uh, they get a little bit more creative than others, but it's not rocket science. No, but the bottom line is like you get out of it what you put into it. And for me, I get a lot of out of it because I put a lot into it and I also find it fun. So that's, you know, one of the barriers if it never gets old. And one of the reasons why I talk to people about this is like it's my enthusiasm for it. Like it's my own personal interest. So like I would be doing it anyway. And I love to poke around on these sites and Poshmark is like, I, you know, they're not sponsoring me yet, but like it's one of my favorite places to play on the internet. Like, you know, I have that natural curiosity. I understand if you don't, but these are things you need to think about because otherwise your stuff will just sit there. Are you writing nice feedback for people? Are you getting good reviews? Are you shipping quickly? I mentioned in a different episode of It Never Gets Old that like one of my big selling points is that I ship immediately. Um, same day. That would certainly incentivize me to buy something from, you know, me uh, because I know that it's going to get to me. Like one reason why I love shopping IRL is like, if I give you my money, I want that thing right now. I don't want to wait for it. Like, why do you think Amazon Prime is so successful? Thinking about this as like a mini, like you're staging it. Like, Sarah, you've talked about staging a house. Like you're staging your stuff so that people want to buy it. So cleaning, it needs to look clean. You need to wash it. If there are little stains, you need to be very, very upfront about those because people get really nitpicky and finicky and that will take a nosedive in terms of like how much you can sell something for, whether that's even investing in dry cleaning some of the higher end pieces so you can get more money. Again, that makes a tremendous difference. But honestly, like the biggest thing is your photos. So we talked about sort of staging the photos. But honestly, the lighting really matters. I'm not at a point yet. Like, I feel like I'm close to, like, staging full-on photo shoots in my house with, like, the sort of lighting I want to do. But I have figured out a trick that works really well. What's that trick? So when I first started selling online, which I was doing less of, I was just uploading as my main photo uh, the photo of my garment. Now... I started to poke around and see who was successfully selling things that I was interested in. And I realized that the photos looked very professional. And what I started to do was look up the actual product on the internet and pull the professional photos. I think it's a little gray in terms of who these photos belong to. Um, but I don't <laughs> yeah, think you're definitely not the owner. I'm not the owner of them, but I don't think anyone's coming after you for a pair of jeans. The point is you want to make it look as ideal as possible. Like people want to see it on a model. They want to see the product shots and how it's really going to fit. You know, when it was originally sold for wherever. And that's usually pretty easy to do. You can like Google around or Google image search. And so what I started doing was putting a professional shot on like the front as as my number one photo. And that was an immediate like night and day people started buying my stuff 
much, much faster. Yeah, that's something I see a lot of. And I, I'm hip to it now. And I, it doesn't even bother me. It's like, oh, I understand. That was what you probably saw when you bought it new, right? On the web, on a website somewhere. And then you scroll down through the photos and you eventually get to the real ones. The only time I, I say goodbye is when it's only photos from that brand's original photo shoot. And there's no photos of the actual uh, garment because I figure... Well, if you're too lazy or something's wrong that you're hiding, I don't want to do business with you. Totally. So that, you know, I use it as the first photo, maybe the second. If it's the back of a garment, you really need to see what it looks like on the front and the back. But otherwise, it needs to be your photos. But yes, that's a direct like sound the alarm bells if it's only professional photos and like nothing else. It's like, no, I want to see like your version. Like what what am I to expect here? So, you know, you want to have that first professional shot. Um, but then you want to take your garment. And I would say the more photos, the better. Like I know when I'm buying something, when I'm selling something, the more photos you put, the more likely it is to sell. And from as many angles as possible. So I would say to lay it out because something I'll say is for some reason, it creeps me out a little bit to see the person selling it model the actual garment. Do you feel that I way? Don't like, I don't like it either. And I think often it's because you might be taking like the photo, like a bathroom mirror kind of thing. There's probably not a lot of uh, tripods in, in, in most people's houses. And yeah, you sort of the seller is, they might have a profile photo, but the less I know about who wore it before me, almost the better. Yeah, it's weird. For someone like me who is all about secondhand everything, it just feels a little bit too personal. Like that one time, I don't know if I recounted this on the podcast or not, but I was buying this pair of Golden Goose sneakers and I was like dying to have them. And when I fixate on something, I like go crazy. I like just go nuts and it's like kind of problematic but I noticed that this girl was in DC and I was like I had purchased them or we were going back and forth and back and forth and then I saw I guess her zip code or her area code I don't remember how and I was like are you in DC and we ended up meeting up to do like a handoff and it was the fucking weirdest experience of my life not only do I not recommend it for like personal safety reasons but also so I go to her apartment building and she brought her boyfriend with her downstairs like which was amusing. Like in retrospect, like that makes sense. Like, you know, women can be in danger. Oh well, yeah. Cause she didn't know if you were scary either. Yeah. Like I'm very scary, very, very scary. <laughs> but it was the weirdest thing because I saw, she didn't look like what I thought she looked like in my head or like, you know, you don't really think about the like people, people behind this stuff. Like you're like, okay, I know it belonged to someone else first, but like, unless it's someone, you know, it's like kind of weird. And she was kind of weird. And she handed me these sneakers and I was like, this is fucking weird. So the bottom line is like, I really don't want to see you modeling your own clothing. Just lay it out, find some professional photos. And if you're going to model it, don't put your face in it. One for safety reasons, two for like facial recognition reasons, though I, I feel like that's kind of far gone and, you know, completely different podcast. But people want to buy secondhand. They want to save the money, but they also don't really want to acknowledge what's currently going on. You want to personalize it to you. You in your mind are justifying this because you want something that's going to look good on you and it's going to be yours. Again, to make the selling a house analogy, you don't have any photos of your family when you stage a house, even if you're still living in the house. That all goes away because you want the prospective buyer to walk through and imagine themselves living there. So it's the same thing. Totally. And I would say the exception to this is like jewelry. 
because you don't have any sense of scale. Right. Like there have been times when I bought like a pair of earrings. I'm like, I need to see this on your ear. Like, don't show me your face, but like, let me see your ear so I can at least like get a concept of scale. So like you also want to provide scale. Like sometimes when I'm doing earrings or jewelry or something else, I'll like put it in the palm of my hand so people can like tell based on the size of someone's hand. So that's what I say about photos. Lighting really matters, especially if like you want to make sure all your photos are in consistent lighting so it doesn't look like different colors. Um, You want to make sure there's some natural light, but not so much natural light that you can't see it just like make go the extra mile to make sure you have a plain background and make your photos look nice so moving on to descriptions descriptions matter a lot i would say sometimes just as much as photos um and the more descriptive you can be the better one thing i've started doing when i can find the professional photo is also pulling the professional description. Like the whole kit and caboodle that Net-A-Porter is like putting at the bottom of a garment of like, you know, when it was made, the style number, the style name, the measurements, like what size the model's wearing, where it's shipping, you know, like I just feel like more information is better. I look at the description 100% of the time. If the if the photo, I probably start with the photos, right? Uh, and then I, I never don't read a description if I feel somewhat serious about going to the next step because it tells you a lot about a person. If somebody has little to no information in the description, I know that they're they're just trying to move some stuff and they're not taking it seriously. And this would, it, it almost doesn't even matter what you're selling at that point. It's just, it, it's a vibe I don't like. You know, you're not putting your best foot forward at all. So I don't really feel like the transaction's gonna go well or I have less faith in it. I, I like what you say, like the style number, all of that stuff, which I actually learned from you, is something where you can look up something and make sure uh, not only to weed out certain fakes but just to make sure it's exactly what you think you're buying that's super important as well and I can tell that it's like yeah people don't just have this in their brains they're finding that information somewhere but that's another going the extra mile thing that I appreciate and makes you seem organized and that you're going to be somebody I want to do future business with and it's just about like it's just showing up like I think that it like again you get out of it what you put into it if you if I take that time and put all the professional details in there it's what separates me from an amateur seller and then there are people that if you look at who clearly make their livings reselling things on the internet like you can tell you know that they do because of the depth of detail that they go into for a while it's funny as a writer like I tried to write like really jazzy ass descriptions I'd be like this is a show-stopping pair of shoes like they're like, I decided my time with them was up, but I can't wait for them to go to a happy new home. Like, and I mean, I don't know why I did that. I like thought it was really jazzy. It didn't really work. Like people don't want to hear like a sell. They just want all the information. So basically err on the side of as much information as humanly possible. So if you're unable to find the original like listing somewhere online for when the thing sold for new, you need to just give everyone the kitchen sink. Like again, as Sarah was saying, like if I see if I want to buy something online and there isn't that much of a description, the pictures look okay, um, and that person doesn't have a good track record, I'm probably not gonna buy from them. So what does that description mean? The year something was made. Uh, The original price, if you have it, that's uh, always important so people know what they're saving. Measurements. This can be really annoying if you don't do it up front. Like sometimes when I'm selling things, I'd be like, what is the measure? Can you measure it again? Can you measure it again? What what does that measure again? What's the width? What's the depth? Just put (laughs) that in there 
trust me, people who are vintage resellers, particularly of t-shirts, because sizes and as someone who, who collects vintage t-shirts, that's one of the only times I actually look at measurements because I have a good sense of like what size I am based on tag. But do those measurements, put them in there. It's a pain in the ass. I have a zillion tiny tape measures, but just like do it anyway. Well, it saves you more work on the other side, right? So you don't have to answer little nitpicky questions later because they have all that information up front. Totally. Then the odor of stuff. People have started listing, you know, I, I think that people are getting real serious when they're like, pet-free, smoke-free home. I wanted to be like, not pet-free. She's very cute. She doesn't shed. I don't smoke. Also, I light nice scented candles. But like heavily scented stuff kind of bothers you and people get into that too. Then obviously being very upfront about any holes or damage, I usually put like read the description and I will say this is priced accordingly because there's a tiny tear on X, Y, and Z place. Like stop asking me questions about it, but I'm acknowledging it. Acknowledging the damage is what matters because otherwise you could get roasted on the other end. Like that's really important. Tags keeping the tags we've talked about retaining value showing photos of the tags sometimes it like looks really good to see that original price tag on it and you're like "Ooh, i'm getting it for so much less like that's a real selling point for me but i also find that using the actual style name and the actual original name of the garment will sometimes or it's a pair of shoes like the chloe susanna boot which i'm sure you know what it is listeners or some of you or just me who's very crazy but they're these studded chloe boots that have been successful for a long time people are searching for the name of things sometimes like the actual official name you mean like a pair of jeans that are skinny and look like another pair of jeans but the uh, the name which is like the dre versus the cigarette is important yes especially if it's very high end people are going to get highly specific the more expensive that something is the more people are going to be up your ass so basically like if if it is let's say a pair of Saint Laurent pants like people are going to want to know if they're shelling out for the cigarette versus the you know flared pant like and and sometimes I will do my homework and then double triple check because like one thing that is never a good idea is do not put up a professional photo if you feel like it only just matches as well as possible it has to be the exact garment it looks really weird and I've done that before and it plays weird and I've seen it before and it doesn't work which is like you're trying to find the closest thing to it then it just looks like you're trying to obscure something so I feel like my last step in really making sure that my stuff sells is I have to buy a mannequin. Sarah, do you think I can find one of those in Los Angeles? I bet you can. Not sure how you're going to get it back to D.C. I guess you just buy it another seat in first class next to you when you when you fly on back home. But but yeah, mannequins are um, prolific here because so many people are getting dressed by other people, so. Girl, you think I fly first class? Please. Um, <laughs> no. But, uh, or you just yeah, go dumpster I'm, diving behind the TJ Maxx. They probably have a few of those in there, too. Yeah, totally. But no, I'm trying to think of, like, the, the other things are to watch out for stuff you really want to buy. What is that seller doing? Do they have a mannequin? Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm joking about a mannequin, but sometimes, like, I know that person's running a boutique. I know that they know what they're doing because they own a mannequin. Like, who owns a mannequin? Like, you know, they're really like, you know, that woman that I was talking about that sells those sneakers. Everything is always like stage really pretty. And I'm like, ooh, like you're really here to win. Like show up to win so you can sell your stuff. And if you are selling online and doing some work, showing up for that work also means sometimes you got to be a salesperson. So to be someone whose stuff sells, I am always very responsive to questions. 
people want to ask you things and if you're annoyed because like what is this measure how does this measure you can say see the description in the comments it's all there exclamation point like just be like happy and like I'm your helpful salesperson but also answer questions like if there's something I really want and I'm like hey like can you put this on your ear so I can see how the like for scale and context and someone doesn't answer for three weeks I'm not going to buy from them so people want stuff and they want stuff now so also be you know slap on that smile on the internet and be a good salesperson you can find it never gets old online at ingopodcast.com on our website you can learn more about me your host Meredith Feynman my producer Sarah Lane you could also submit a question a comment a compliment a wild story you can also always email us at hello at ingopodcast.com your other option is sliding into the dms at ingopodcast on instagram and on twitter talk to you soon Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.